subscribe. Fox Banter is the Daily Iowans weekly sports podcast. This episode features John Bonenkamp, a freelance sports reporter for AP and the Daily Iowan sports coach. He has 31 years experience covering Iowa athletics, and he's also been featured in the Chicago Tribune and the Washington Post. He shares his career highlights in this episode. Welcome back to another edition of Press Box Banter. This is the assistant sports editor, Colin Votzmeyer. And I'm Matt. I'm the pregame editor. And I'm Kenna, the sports editor. So first off, we are just going to get the elephant out of the room. Um, 12 to 10 loss last week against Minnesota. A couple weeks ago, it was Michigan State. And Cooper DeGene lined up for a punt return. At the end of the game, I turned to Matt and I said... Cooper DeGene is taking this to the house. Question mark. <laughs> Cooper DeGene did take it back for six. Last week, Minnesota game, Cooper DeGene lines up for another punt, and I turn to Matt and I say, Cooper DeGene for six. Question mark. And Cooper DeGene took it for six. Matt, please, please vouch for me here. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I can't confirm. We got a Nostradamus on our hands here in Colin. Um... Yeah, I was in disbelief in Michigan State and Minnesota. I was even in more disbelief because that return is arguably better. Breaking three tackles along the sideline, sprinting and the width, of, sprinting, sprinting like the width of the field to get to the other pylon and scoring without even a single defender even near him. Like that, I thought Iowa did it again. They managed to cover up their offense with a, another miracle, but the refs took it away. First off, I will be uh, announcing that I'm no longer. Uh, making any takes on Cooper DeGene punt returns. I'm staying at two for two. Um, I don't want to ruin my perfect record. There's an asterisk on that. There's not an yes, asterisk. There is. Was, it a, was it officially a touchdown? Was it officially a touchdown? Did he take it back for six, though? Was there six points on the board? But did he take it back for six? I, Iowa did not score six points. Oh, man. <laughs> Technically, you're right. Yes, but, thank but you. I, thank okay, you. there can be an asterisk <laughs> as long as it says two for two. It doesn't matter. Give me my Mickey Mouse ring. Anyways. <laughs> Then the officials went to the board to review it, or whatever monitor, I guess you could call it, to review it to see if he stepped out of bounds. He clearly did not step out of bounds. Then they came back and they said, Cooper DeGene, invalid fair catch signal, no touchdown, Iowa ball, and then Deacon Hill threw an interception, which we are just going to absolutely ignore, um, <laughs> like every other Iowa fan has ignored. Um, and we're just going to blame the officials, right? Well, actually, I did my research – um, Matt told me to write a brief, which is uh, 300 words. My story was about 800 words about this uh, play. And I see a lot of people on social media or even in person just complaining about the officials and the call and saying even like I feel like I didn't watch the video, but like Aaron Rodgers said nothing about this signals a fair catch. Aaron Rodgers doesn't even know football, apparently, which he hasn't for clearly the last handful of years. Um <laughs> It wasn't that the waving of Cooper DeGene's left arm, if you go watch the play, was him waving fair catch. It was that to wave fair catch, your hand has to be above, or your arm has to be waving above your head very clearly, back and forth. 
Any other movement of your arm in a circular motion is an invalid fair catch signal, and the ball is dead right there. So the waving of his left arm was an invalid fair catch signal. It wasn't him. It wasn't the official saying that he waved fair catch. It was an invalid fair catch signal. So when it boils down to it, the officials were technically correct. But I think it's bogus because anyone running sideways is going to be waving their arms. I agree with Kirk on that. It was it was bogus, but the officials do not deserve that much heat because technically it was the right call. Yeah, I think the biggest problem I had with it was that, you know, it wasn't called right there on the field. And, they, I mean, if they thought it was an invalid fair catch signal, you blow the whistle, the play never happens, the play's dead. Um, and especially, you know, Kirk said that they were just reviewing the out-of-bounds, which, I mean, apparently if you if you go to review, you can review whatever. But um, I feel like the refs didn't really think that that happened or that wasn't on anyone's mind. And then, like, someone from Pittsburgh or whatever, like, pointed it out. And that kind of changed things, which, I mean, if they didn't feel like that happened on the field right there, they saw it in person, like, I think they should have been the ones that had the final say. But, I mean, it's... It's frustrating, but, like, it's over now. There's nothing you can do about it. And going off of that, if you only tuned in to watch that singular play, then I understand why you're upset at the officials. If you watched the other three hours of that football game, very grueling three hours, you would understand the Iowa football team has bigger fish to fry than a call right there it shouldn't have even been close it shouldn't have been close it should not have boiled down to that one play but like Iowa football does I was gonna say like Iowa football does they have an anemic offense they struggle and in mm-hmm. fact I'm willing to argue that the refs actually helped out Iowa um, they helped out Iowa just as much as they hurt Iowa on their scoring drive Iowa had uh, they had more penalty yards than offensive yards on that scoring drive and in fact if it wasn't for an unnecessary roughness call in the red zone that gave Iowa a first down, they would have been facing fourth and one from the one-yard line to get into the end zone. And they tried two previous QB sneaks from the from the one unsuccessful. So Iowa wouldn't – if they – that the refs changed a lot of things that put Iowa – gave Iowa an advantage. On the one-yard line, Deacon Hill is very close to Jalen Hurts. He, he and Jalen Hurts are in the same league. That was, was oh, he was 0 for 2. That was sarcastic. For, yeah, okay. That was sarcastic. You got more clear. You got more clear. <laughs> we should keep the tush-push legal just so that we can start to use it on Deacon Hill because that I, – I was on the edge of my seat for that play. Other than that, I I was catching Zs in the press box. I should give the ball to YA Black on the one. Let him get – let him The fridge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no offense. I mean – yeah, and the offense has been bad all year, but that game was just, I mean, it, it, a lot of people say it can't get worse. It got worse. It got worse. It was, it was bad. And, like, yeah, that touchdown, I mean, that wasn't anything Iowa did, and we still barely got in the end zone. So, I said on this podcast a week or two weeks ago, and I said that the offense this year is worse than last year, and we took Spencer Petras for granted, and now I will die on that hill. Go ahead, Matt. Go ahead. No, Tell me I'm wrong. No, Go no, ahead. No, no, Tell no. me I'm wrong. Kenneth looks like she wants to talk. Go. I, I agreed with you when you first said that, and I still agree, especially now. Um, I mean, like John is going to say, 
later. I mean, losing your quarterback and your top two tight ends definitely changes things, and I think maybe it would probably be different, but that's just not the case, so that doesn't matter. And, yeah, right now they are worse than last year, I would say. Um, And I think it it doesn't matter if Cade's under center or who's under center, whatever, um, or if we have great tight ends. Um, That's, that's, yeah. I mean, it's really not about how good the QB is or whatever. I mean, we still see, or it's still, um, we still see that Iowa sucks on offense. It doesn't matter who's, who's throwing the ball. And don't even, don't even bring up 2021 because when I get sad, I go back and look at the picture or not the picture the the throw from Petrus to Nico Regani in the Penn State game. I go back in it. All of my worries wash away when I for the ten seconds I watched that play. That was like the most electric moment in Kinnick, like arguably ever. That was peak. That was the peak of Iowa football. I was yeah, I was in the stands for that one, and that was just Crazy. that was nuts. And like when Cooper returned that punt against Minnesota, it it gave it gave those vibes. It did. It was a historic, legendary moment. I honestly, I mean, people say, like, it's washed away. I don't know. People will still always remember that play and Cooper making that play, even though it didn't count. I know, obviously, lots of talk out there on Twitter or X about a quarterback change. I said in my column, it's time for a change, those turnovers. It's the one thing Deacon Hill can't do is, is create turnovers, and that's what he did. Um, last week, or that's what he did against Minnesota. And I think now with the bye week, perfect time to get Joe Lapis in. Kirk said he wasn't going to do it, but I think it's 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 Lapis time. Anything I say is just going to be an astronomically hot take. I was going to like think of like an NFL. Okay. Joe Labus is the know. next Jay Cutler. <laughs> <laughs> That, that makes no sense, considering he has played in just one collegiate know, game. And in that collegiate game, Iowa did score a touchdown, but mm-hmm. they had two defensive touchdowns. How many yards did he throw for? I couldn't tell you. I, I, I imagine it was less than 200. It was probably less than 150. Actually, I, uh, I might even rescind my earlier comment <laughs> about uh, the throw to Nico Regani in the Penn State <laughs> game, and I'm actually going to go even earlier to the – or no, even sooner – to the Cade McNamara throw to Seth Anderson oh, yeah. on the first first first, first, first drive of Iowa football yeah. this year. I think everyone, the entire nation, was put on alert. Seth Anderson, Cade McNamara, and Iowa football are going to rip heads off of any team they play. And now, redacted. It just It couldn't be more of the opposite peak that was the peak of that that was the peak of Iowa football that that throw yeah that first quarter was was something to remember I think that throw might have been more passing yards than Deacon Hill had against how many did didn't he have like 37 against Wisconsin is that what it was I think what the McNamara the pass throw? was the 36 yarder I want to okay, say so and it's I think close Deacon Hill threw for 34 against so it's close Wisconsin so I think yeah it's around the same it's close the one thing I think Iowa football could do better is just getting that the Minnesota's defense was just game, was just betting on the run so much that you know Iowa averaged 
0.4 yards per rush. That's 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 pretty pathetic. But I think no no 0.4. Essentially, they get stuffed to the line of scrimmage every time. That's decent. So just utilizing just a run run pass option, fake the handoff, let the quarterback roll out. You saw everyone saw it all over over X. Um, Joe Labas making that play. He fakes the handoff, rolls out of the pocket, first down. I mean, I'm not expecting it every time, but at least try to add some variability, you know? Every single second down is a run. It doesn't matter if it's second and four or, like, second and 20. It's a run. And I don't know. I know Scott Dockerman, like, Chad, they've, like, done some. They've broken it down and, like, done the numbers on that, and it's just an absurd amount of times that Iowa runs on second down but it's just it's just so predictable and also I'm kind of going back but um another thing I had a problem with in the Minnesota game is one after that Addison Ostranga catch um where it was kind of questionable did it hit the ground whatever I mean and then after the Cooper DeGene punt return Iowa decides to huddle up and take their sweet time and not like you have to snap, you have to know the situation you're in, especially after the Cooper DeGene punt, and snap the ball quickly so they don't have time to review it. I mean, like, why are you huddling and just taking, like, I just, I don't understand that at all. What about punting on first down? <laughs> Tari Tyler? Don't give many ideas. Melbourne ball on a strike. No, but ideas. I mean, literally, it would, it would. Pin the other team to the five yard line, and the defense safety. would have a better chance of scoring. You get so a safety, yeah. and you tie the game. Oh yeah, and it you get the ball happened. back. Yep. Yep. So at least you get a chance in <laughs> overtime. At least, and even then, yeah. it's a prayer. Yeah, overtime Iowa. I'm afraid of saying that. I really am. I am too. After three hours in the press box. <laughs> Over in the east of the Big Ten, you got Michigan. They're undefeated. Clearly, the best. They're number two team in the country. And they've been exposed for cheating. They could be become the next 2017 Houston Astros, the sign stealers. Um, a Michigan assistant coach. Um, what was his name? That assistant Connor or something. something? Yeah, Connor Stallions. It looks like Stallions, low key. He <laughs> is confirmed. <laughs> he, it was confirmed <laughs> that Connor Stallions. <laughs> um, he bought tickets for multiple Big Ten games, and he would go to, go to these games, and he would. Um, Take a seat close to the sideline, and you know he he'd record the, he'd record the opposing team sideline. He'd go on one side of the field, record um, one team sideline, and then at halftime he'd go around and he'd go to the other sideline and then record the opposing sideline. So basically, for he'd get thirty minutes of film for each team sidelines, and he'd get film and he'd look at the look at the signal. He'd look at the offensive signal calling, and he'd realize, like, yeah, this is what play they're going to run. So, against... So, essentially, Michigan, they knew what plays their opponents were going to run. If you saw on film, I saw from... It was Ohio State-Michigan from last year, I believe. And um, Ohio State, they come out into formation. They give their offensive signals. And then if you look at Michigan's sideline, you see them. They start freaking out. They start making all these signals in response. And Michigan, I think, I believe they gets a sack on the play. And it's... And it's clear as day. You can there was a picture. You can see a sheet that one of the Michigan coaches is holding on the sideline, and it has like signals and stuff on it. And it's just so obvious. And also, didn't Harbaugh say he didn't know that was happening, or did what did he say about it? I think he said, said he had he had no he had 
he he wasn't associated with it, which is weird. That's BS. That Stallions, you could see, was right next to that is... the offensive coordinator or the defensive coordinator, depending on the state of the game. You're the head coach, dude. Is Jim Harbaugh the new Richard Nixon? <laughs> this is called maybe Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll did the same thing. Is Pete Carroll USC left to the NFL? Now mm. Jim Harbaugh, next coach of the Bears. I'll well, take him. I'll take him. But Richard Nixon got impeached. He didn't. He didn't go bigger. Has Jim Harbaugh? He could. He can get a job in the NFL right now. Well, yeah, but Richard Nixon didn't. So has like, Jim what? Harbaugh been impeached? No, no, he's not. No, you can call in Congress. So you're saying he's not <laughs> the next? He's not Richard Nixon. No, I see where you. Stand. He's the next Pete Carroll. That's where he is. I see where you stand. <laughs> Super Bowl champion. So basically, what you're saying is the Bears are going to win a Super Bowl within the next decade. <laughs> that is extreme extrapolation. How? Pete Carroll. Cheat, Pete Carroll, NFL, <laughs> Pete Carroll, Super Bowl, Jim Harbaugh, okay. cheat, <laughs> Jim Harbaugh, Bears, Bears, Super Bowl. Fine, book it. It math. Book it. All right. So what year are you thinking? Jesus, I might not be alive. In 2023. Whoa, it's only 10 years. No, I meant like it, like got. they might not win one well, in my lifetime. Okay. I hope I'm alive. <laughs> I like my life. Um <laughs> Realistically, is Justin Fields the answer? We're going to say <laughs> yes. We're going to get a good draft pick. Marvin Harrison, welcome to Chicago. 2028. That's okay. way too soon. 2032. No, Justin Fields would be too old. 2020. <laughs> six and a half. Just in okay. case it's 2027. I just want to address also about the science dealing. Um, People are like, oh, why can't you just go and re- record? Um, it's a The NCAA has this rule because not every school can afford to just send a coach across the country to film to film another team. And, and there was a good joke I actually heard up in the press box. I think it was from John Steppy. But saying the Michigan the Michigan offensive or Stallions, if he had to go record the Iowa game, that would be an OSHA violation, not an NCAA violation. <laughs> what do I mean? You don't know what OSHA is? It's Oceanic Institute <laughs> no, for no, Hurricane OSHA. whatever? <laughs> no, OSHA, I don't know what it stands for exactly. It's a workplace ethics. It'd be a a violation of a, it wouldn't be like, how do I even say it? Kenna gets the joke, right? No. It's yeah. going to uh, help I don't no, get it's it. A, it's a capital punishment to force someone to go scout out the Iowa offense. <laughs> that's what it is. Okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's, oh. that's funny. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Need some context on yeah. that one. Um, but also, like, the film, I mean, every team watches film each week, but that film doesn't show the sideline view like the Michigan coach was getting. It's, you know, the it's the play on the field. It's not the sign. So it's, it's definitely different. OSHA stands for the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. <laughs> so watching Iowa's offense is uh, a violation. It's not good for your safety and health. Hmm. All right, yeah. <laughs> that was a good joke. Thank you. <laughs> it's just very niche. I Okay, some people don't know their workplace rights. I don't. I, I'm i a student. I'm, You've never worked a day in your life? Oh, man. You are. <laughs> Dare I bring up the jeans? That was a workplace <laughs> violation. <laughs> the denim on denim. Stray bullet. <laughs> All right, moving on, moving on. I saw today um, that the NBA, they changed their all-star format back to East versus West. For the past, I think, two or three years now, it was a it was a draft between, there'd be two captains, 
They'd pick their teams. Didn't matter about conferences. It'd be should be the twenty four best players, um, or whatever. And they also they got rid of the target score. It was called the Elam ending. But basically, um, at the end of the third quarter, Musk they would at no Elam E L A M. No association. This is an anti Elon Musk. Who's podcast. Elam? I don't know. I don't know. They just call it that. Just named it. But after the target like some score kid. after the, after the third quarter. They would they would add I think it was they would add twenty four points to in honor of Kobe they would add twenty four points to the total of the winning team after the third quarter so let's say if team team A was up seventy five to sixty at the end of the third quarter they'd add twenty four points which can you do the math for me there Colin Mr Math Whiz what was Seven, it seventy five plus twenty four. Oh, come on, man. Come on. 99. 99. 99. Yeah, don't do come 99. on. 175 so plus 20. Hang on. You do 175 plus 25 is what? Oh, I do 75 plus 20, 95 plus 4. 99. Well, yeah, but you can know that 75 plus 25 yeah, is 100. That is also But if Ohio. it's 24 and it's one short of 25, here, pay attention. Yep. Write this down. <laughs> <laughs> if it's one less, that means it's 99 and not 100. Yeah, I'm just saying, Colin called himself a math whiz there. I was a math whiz in high school. I just hated it. I, I did not like I math. I've not taken a math class since junior year of high school. I honestly, mm, yeah, me too. Cap, actually, that's cap. That's cap. That's cap. I, well, I took I, I took stats I freshman to year stats of freshman college. Year. So yeah. What stats did you take? Elementary statistics and inference. <laughs> yep. No way with Alex Liebricht. <laughs> nope. Uh, with Robert Ackerman or something. I took it. I took it with Alex Liebricht, and I had Cooper DeGene and Logan Lee in my class. Well, and Cooper how? DeGene was not there very often. <laughs> Logan Lee was a very nice guy. Held the door for me one time. <laughs> Logan Lee's a great guy. I, I said thank you. <laughs> yeah. And he would raise his hand and answer questions. Wow. And he would stay after and ask questions. Wow. Cooper wow. DeGene, dedication. I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry, but, like, football players, they don't usually do that. They don't. Yeah. No, if they, they don't. even show up. They don't. Which, they don't. you know, I, I get it. Being a student athlete is probably really hard, and I – can't imagine, but no one stays at like props to Logan Lee. I'm saying it's more of a props to Logan Lee than a hit on any of the other it's players. Not, it's expected for Cooper. He's just got to go out and ball, and he'll be in NFL draft pick. Basically, yeah. Where, where was it? The target score. <laughs> the target Something about score. Kobe, I don't know. No, it had 24 points to the winning team after the third quarter. So let's say 75 to 60. First team to 99 points wins, and essentially that would get rid of the meaningless. Fouls and free throws at the end of the game. Arguably, the last two minutes of a game can be the most exciting or the most boring to watch. When a team is up five, they will just foul every time, force them to take 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 free throws. The game slows down; it gets ugly. Both the targets are score ending. You can't just foul to stop the clock. It's just play good defense. So this is the new rule: is they add twenty four after the third that was, quarter. That was the old rule. They got rid. They got rid of it. They had it okay. going for two years, and they got rid of it. Rest in peace, Kobe. But. I'm with that decision. It's not a wow. knock on Kobe, but I just think they're trying a little too hard. I think you got to let them not even the 24 points. Add something to just get rid of the clock in the fourth quarter. Or hear me out. East versus West. Yeah. Play for home court advantage in the finals, which is huge in the NBA finals, mm -hmm. and play a normal basketball game. How does that sound? I understand you don't want to get injured. Tough. That second shot. I understand. <laughs> I know it sounds too tough. And I know there's like a threat of injury. So I'm not asking you to go 110%, but I'm asking you to go 75 and not play street ball. If I wanted to watch the All-Star game in its current state, I would go to my local LA Fitness <laughs> and sit down with like a bowl of popcorn and just watch. That's what I would do.
Hey everyone, we're here with John Bonenkamp. Um, he is a freelance reporter for the Associated Press and HawkeyeNation.com. His work has been in the Chicago Tribune and the Washington Post, and he's covered Iowa basketball for 31 years. Um, he's spent 19 years as a sports editor for the Hawkeye in Burlington, Iowa, and is a 17-time AP Sports Editor um, Award Top 10 finisher. Um, not only is he a well-experienced well-experienced reporter, but he is. we're also lucky enough to have him as our sports writing coach here at the Daily Iowan, and we're also lucky enough to have him on this podcast. How's it going, John? Uh, it's going good. How, how is everybody today? Pretty good, pretty good. So, I mean, starting off, how would you get a start in the journalism business? I actually, I, I started working for my local newspaper, uh, the Fort Madison Democrat, and uh, I was taking calls on Friday nights, you know, basketball prep calls, you know, and all that. And they're like, well, you want to go out and cover a game? I'm like, yeah, you know. So got my first byline when I was 16, and I was like, you know what? I really like this. It's, it was, you know, I love, love being around newsrooms. This was back in the old days of the video display terminals. God only knows how much radiation was coming out of these old things, a big green screen, you know, and all that. But I loved it. I loved the newsroom. I loved being around, you know, and so I decided that's what I want to do. So that was my path to this. Okay, I know you went to Iowa, so what was your time like here? Oh, it was awesome. You know, because I was here mid-80s, so I was here for the number one ranked football team in 85 for the 12-10 game against Michigan, which we just came up on the anniversary of that a couple weeks ago. Uh, men's basketball team, when Tom Davis started here as coach, they were number one that first year. Um, I was here for the women's basketball game that drew 22,000 to Carver Hawkeye and got him in trouble with the fire marshal and – so, I mean, it was, from a sports aspect, it was a lot of fun being here because there were so many good teams. You got to go to game. It was just it was just really a lot of fun to, to be a part of that. And what was the most memorable game you've covered? Oh, boy. Um, I want to say, because I, I, I did the Super Bowl back in the 99 Rams season, so I did the 2000 Super Bowl when they, when they beat Tennessee Titans. I think that's that's probably number one. Um, cause I was like, I've never done a Super Bowl yeah. before. This is really cool. And, um, in 2004, when I, when the Red Sox beat the Cardinals in the world series, cause of the history, yeah. you know, that was there with that. I mean, that's the first title in a hundred and some years or whatever. So to be a part of that, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Somebody the other day, and I, and I love this and I was going to clip it out and send it to you guys, but I had a picture from the game over at Kinnick, the women's basketball game. And somebody put on there, it was, a, it was a friend of mine, he said, you had a front row to history and you got to write about him. And that really kind of put it in perspective because it's like, you know, I've been at a lot of these things and it's like you really don't think about it. It's like, yeah, you had a front row seat for some of this stuff and it's pretty cool when you think about it. Yeah. Going back to that Super Bowl, you know, it had a, it had a controversial ending as well. Yes, yeah. and I mean, it was, you know, I mean, it was the tackle at the one-yard line, and the funniest thing's like, everybody's like, where, where were you at on that? And I was like, yeah, I was down in the in the room near the locker room watching it on TV because you had to go down with five minutes to go to, because I was up in the auxiliary box, which was basically just a seat in the crowd. Mm-hmm. They had a whole big section, you know, uh-huh. marked off. So you had to go down to beat the crowd. So it's like, yeah, I watched it on TV like everybody else did, but it was still pretty cool. I mean, because we used to cover the Rams training camp was at Western Illinois University in Macomb. So we, so I would cover training camp, and then we had credentials for home games. So we'd drive three hours on a Sunday, and mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun. It was like I get to cover an NFL team. This yeah. is really cool, you know. So, um, so to be there for that was 
you know, it was awesome. It was that was one of those moments that you always remember. Then how about that World Series? You know, that was the year the Red Sox broke their curse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that was it was funny because they they was there was Game Four. I wasn't going to be able to be there for Game Five. I had to get back because we had a whole bunch of high school stuff to get covered. And I was like, they better win tonight. You know, because I was like, if they don't win tonight, I'm going to be really mad if I miss that. But they won, and it was, you know, you, you kind of put it in perspective afterwards. Like, you know, nobody had ever seen this. It's been so many years ago, and now they've won, you know, a couple since then. But it was, it was really neat being there. It was just, you know, being a part of that was just amazing to see that kind of history. And then what were, some of the, what were, like, some of the biggest names you've talked to? Oh, that's a good question. Kurt Warner. You know, yeah, yeah. and I, and and I and I tell this story because he he was actually born in Burlington, he was raised in Cedar Rapids. So when he was with the Rams, backup quarterback, I'm like, okay, you can do a story. So I interview him early in that '99 season before he becomes the starter, and then they go back to St. Louis for the last couple of exhibition games. Trent Green hurts his knee, now all of a sudden he's the starter. So the following year, we're in training camp. Somebody's like, "How's it? You know, well, how's this different?" And he's like. Well, last year there's only like one or two guys that talked to me, and he pointed at me and he goes, "I think you were one of them." And I was like, "Yeah, I was." Yeah. So I mean, it was you know when you when you meet people like that, you know, it's like really cool. I, you know, I've been in press conferences with Richard Petty, legendary NASCAR driver, I'm a big NASCAR guy. Um, you know, and and just getting to interview people like that, it's pretty cool. You know, it's it's that's part of the fun of this is you know to get me pivot. Some of them aren't really good to deal with. Some of them are awesome to deal with. And it's like, you just kind of have to know how to deal with them and that sort of thing. And how do you deal with, um, you know, people who have those big personalities? Um, <laughs> it's, you, you gotta learn. I mean, you just gotta kind of learn to take it for what it is. You don't take it personally. Um, I remember I did a story, uh, Ryan Bowen who played here, went to Fort Madison high school where there's two great graduates of Fort Madison high school. I always say Ryan Bowen and me, um, but um, his first year in the NBA. So I go up there playing the bulls. And so I interview him after the game and I interview Rafe with friends who's from Iowa. He was on the nuggets time. I'm like, okay, I need one more player. And I see these guys talking to a guy named Chris Gatling. He's a media guy. So I'm like, okay, he must be cool. So I go over to him and I'm like, told him who I was. And I'm sitting doing a story on Ryan Bowen. And I won't go into the language that he used, but it was kind of like, I said, what do you think of him? And he's like, and in so many words, he's like, I think he sucks. And he's like, you know, I don't know why he's on this team, you know, and he's being, and I've been around enough pro athletes to kind of know when they're kind of messing with you. Mm-hmm. And that's what I kind of thought he was. And he just kind of kept going with that. And I was like, okay. You know, I started walking away. He's like, no, no, man, I was just kidding you. And then he gives me this, you know, really boiler paint, you know, yeah, he's a great guy, you know, blah, blah. And and in the back of my mind, I'm like, I'm not using any of this. It's none of it's, you know. Mm -hmm. And I start to walk away. He's like, you better not use any of that first stuff I said. (laughs) And I was like, don't worry about it, you know. But, I mean, when you meet people like that, you kind of learn how to deal with them. And you just take it for what it is. And it's, it's it's just like anybody else you deal with in society. There's nice people and there's jerks, you know. Mm-hmm. And then what's your favorite sport to cover? College basketball. Okay. I mean, I love college basketball. I love being here, you know, covering, you know, the men or the women. Uh, I, I love being at Western Illinois University when they're playing, which now this year they'll be in the Ohio Valley Conference. You know, and you're the only one there. Mm-hmm. And now, like last year I did that. I was the only one there. 
kid on Western Illinois, Trent Masner. He's a kid from Iowa. From we went grew up in Wapolo in our area, so we covered him in high school. And he goes off for forty six points at night, which at the time was the most points scored in Division One game last season. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm the only one there. Yeah, you know. And so you write about it, and, and so I mean, so sometimes you see the cool things where you don't expect them, and so that was that's why I love college basketball because you never know what you're going to see. I've covered. A lot of NCAA tournaments, done a couple Final Fours. Um, it's always a lot of fun to just be there and be a part of that. Yeah. Auto racing would be number two. I love I love covering the Indy cars. Um, NASCAR is coming to Iowa Speedway next year, which I'm really yeah. looking forward to. I hope somebody hires me to cover it. So um, that's that would be number two in my mind. Then how do you cover auto racing? Like I feel like that's that, that's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting, honestly, you know? it's you, you just sit in the media center and they've got it up on the TV, yeah. and, and when something happens, you you know you go out and you track down the driver if somebody wrecks or whatever. You go out and interview them, and then you interview them post race. Um, you can go out and IndyCar is great because they give you a, a little tag you wear in your credential, and you can go out and actually stand in the pit area. Oh wow! And you know, like there'll be an open pit, and somebody will come in for pit stop, and it's really cool to see all that. And, you know, if you're a racing fan, which I've been all my life, that's that's pretty awesome to see that. Okay. And then how do you go about covering a sport that you don't really know? That's a good – that's because it's hard. I mean, I and I've done that a couple of times. Like, I, I've covered a lot of high school soccer in the last couple of years for a website. And I knew nothing about soccer. You know, I mean, you know the basics, but yeah. I mean the rules and all. So you just kind of learn as you go along. And if you're lucky enough to be dealing with a coach who understands that and he'll explain to, or he or she will explain things to you, that's that makes it a lot easier. But it's tough. It's tough sometimes when you get put into a new situation. I could never cover hockey. Yeah. I can just say that right now. I could never do that. You know, I mean, you 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 understand the basics, but yeah. you don't. There's so much other stuff mm-hmm. there. But that's why I kind of really like to stick to the things that I know, you know. And what's been the most enter- entertaining interview you've done? <laughs> um, there's, uh, and, and maybe you know the name, there's a guy named Craig Hayward. His nickname was Ironhead. He's running back for the Rams. And, uh, jerk. Um, and when he came to the Rams, he, he, was, he was this big running back. He was like a fullback, but he had, you know, running back speed. And Dick Vermeil was a coach. Dick Vermeil was wanting him to lose weight. Well, he was kind of fighting. It was kind of fighting in the media and all that. So I get ready to interview him at the end of camp, and he's like, somebody's like, don't ask him about his weight. He doesn't want to talk about his weight. I'm like, okay. So he's like, why do you guys want to talk to me? And I'm like, well, I haven't talked to you in camp. So he's like, well, you're going to have to walk with me. And as he's walking with me, he's, like, steering us towards mud puddles because it rained that day. And he's, like, you know, going all around. And he's giving good answers. Yeah. And he brings up his weight, and he talks about you know losing weight. And I said, "Well, what weight do you think you should be at?" And he stops, oh, no. and he looks at me, and he goes, "I didn't come all the way over here to talk about my <laughs> effing weight." And I'm like, "Okay, you know." So, so we keep walking. We get to the locker room. He's like, "Okay, I'm done." And he walks in. So I'm like, "How do I write this story?" And I'm like, "Okay, write it from the perspective what, what just happened, yeah. you know, and just tell the story of you know and what he said." And I got so many comments from people that they just love that story because yeah. I didn't come out and say he was a jerk, but I made, you know, that's what he was. And when you read the story, you know, mm-hmm. and, and everybody's like, did he really do that? I was like, yeah, you know, and I had it all on tape, you know, and, and uh, so that was one of my favorite ones just because of the entertainment part of all of it. Okay. And was there a moment where you realized like, Hey, this sports, this sports journalism thing, this is for real. Um, 
that's probably I think it was when I was at the final four in ninety two. Um, because it was, it was, it was like the first really big event and you're there and you see all these guys that you've seen on TV, like ESPN used to have the sports reporters on Sunday and you see all those guys there and you see, you see the media people and all that. And then you're like, okay, now this is a big deal, you know? And, and it's like, that's when, that's when you realize, okay, this is, this is what you got into it for to be at the big events. It's well, high school events are great. I love them. I, I love covering the kids. Coaches love covering college, but when you get to the really big stuff, that's when it gets to be a you, – you kind of have to stop and take a look around. And that's what I told I tell everybody, and I, I told everybody a couple of years ago when it was number three Iowa against number four Penn State or whatever it was. And I told them, I said, at some point today, take a look around because you don't see games like this here very often. And when it was done, I said to him, see, I told you it was cool. You know, and that's, yeah, that's how you have to approach it a little bit. Um, after you graduated from Iowa, I mean, what was your job search like? Did you get hired right out of school? Did you get hired before you graduated? What was that like? I, you know, I, I struck out on so many jobs in my senior year, just sending, you know, and, and you'd get emails, you know, not emails, letters back saying, you know, we're not interested. So I didn't have a job. And my local newspaper was looking for a school board reporter. Or no, city government. I'm sorry, because I did the school boards while I interned there. And they're like, but we don't want you for this job. They said, you just fill in until we find somebody. Because they were like, we don't want you to have to cover the city government of the town where you grew up in. Because yeah. you know, your dad owns a biz- runs a business yeah. here. You know, and they, we don't want you involved. And, and he's like, and I also know you don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, you're right. <laughs> so I did. And then, like, as soon as they had found somebody, there was another paper 20 miles away that was just looking for a sports writer. And to do some news, too, because there were some things about news. I loved covering the cops beat and, you know, doing some political things and stuff like that. So I loved doing that. And so it was kind of a combination sports and cops and whatever else. And so that was my first job. So it was like I, I kind of transitioned from one into the other. I was there for a couple of years, moved up to sports editor there. And then the Hawkeye had an opening for a prep, somebody to cover high schools. And I was like, you know, so that's kind of how I moved up. And just throughout all your years, how have you learned to balance, you know, everything? Because obviously this job is <laughs> a lot of hours. And, like, how do you make sure you're balancing, like, your life outside of work? It's it's hard to do. I mean, it, it, because you get caught up in, you know, I mean, I can't think of how many family events I've missed and, and things like that. I mean, you think about Iowa always playing a Black Friday yeah. football game now. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of Thanksgivings that I've been in staying in Omaha, Nebraska. You know, I mean, there's been two or three of them, and it's like you're missing a family Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And, all that. and it's hard. I mean, it's, you know, there's a certain price I think you have to pay for it, but you hope that the people around you understand that. And they'll, you know, I have friends of mine that will work, like when we used to have Fantasy Baseball League, it was like they worked around, you know, it always. In fact, actually, one year I actually did the Fantasy Draft from Columbus, Ohio, where <laughs> Iowa was playing in the NCAA tournament. And I would, and I would every now and then I'd text him like, okay, who's, you know, and that sort of thing. <laughs> so those are the kind of things that you have to do to, to be, you know, in this business. But was there ever anything, or is there any like part of you when you're kind of like missing some of those family events where you're like, uh, this isn't just for me. This is about like the people who deserve to be informed about like these sports or, how do you kind of balance between this is something cool that I want to do and this is something that 
people need to hear about. I, I I think that's the way you have to approach it. Is you're you're telling a story. You're telling, you're telling what's going on, and and you're you know, people read you. They they read other. I mean, I know they read other people, but you want them to read you. So it's like it is. It is you kind of just accept it. Of that's part of the game, and that's part of what you do. I mean, I, a couple years ago when when the Iowa played at the Holiday Bowl, I flew to San Diego on Christmas Day. You know, and I mean, that's, you know, you hate missing Christmas with your family. And I, I mean, that sort of thing. But, um, you know, it's just, it's part of the, but it is what you do. And it's, you know, it, you look at it sometimes as, I mean, I know there are other jobs where people do that, truck drivers, railroad workers, that sort of thing. And, and I've known people like that. And so you just kind of just, that's part of just what you do. And I want to go back to coming out of college, kind of the struggle to find a job. I know journalism in general as probably the first most experienced kind of reporter we've had on it's full of trial and error and success and failure so what's like a area or not even area but experience in your life where you maybe failed or got some pushback in journalism and how did you kind of overcome that um it was it was quite a few years in the, into the job and i had written a column that really pissed off a lot of people in town and it just was this wave after wave of, of letters to the editor. In fact, one of the letters to the editor was from the wife of our publisher. And um, because his sons played in the game where there was some incidents. It was a soccer game, and the, the officials were getting ready to just shut it down because it was getting out of hand. And I had written a column saying, this, this is a disgrace. You can't do this, you know. And, and I, you know, and so I took a lot of heat for that and it was hard. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not going to, you know, lie. it was, you know, you start to get a little scared, you know, you start to wonder if there's going to be some nut out there. And I actually have at one point in my, in my career, had somebody threatened to kill me mm-hmm. and it was just over a story. And it, and it turned out it was a guy I knew it was a guy I used to work with at the paper. He was a, he was a press room guy and it was and he was involved in a controversy. He, he was a high school football official, and he was involved in a controversial call. And he called me, and, and he's like yelling at me because I because I had written part of the story. And he's like, "It's like you know, let's let's just sit down and talk about it." He goes, "If I see you, he goes, I'm probably gonna f and kill you." And I'm like, you know, those those words, you know, kind of ring. So when you have things like that happen. Uh, it makes you, it really kind of challenges you a little bit and you live with it. I mean, you learn to live with it after a while. And that's, that's just part of the, you know, it's just part of the business, you know. I have, so I, I'll watch, like I'll have some friends over, we'll watch the Iowa game and that's when I'm not reporting. So I'm mm-hmm. like, uh, I'll say we just scored a touchdown, even though that's kind of a rarity, right. but, um, <laughs> <laughs> Bulls play last night. I'll say we just hit a three. You mm-hmm. know, and my roommate is like, "Why do you? Why do you care so much about sports?" He doesn't understand like kind of the passion. So, in what regard do you see kind of that passion get like maybe too heated, or, or why do you see a reason behind the passion in sports in your career? I'll be honest. Lately, it's gambling because everybody bets. It seems mm-hmm. like um, no, but I but I mean I think people get caught up, and and you see this a lot at the high school level. You know that that you've seen parents that invest a lot of time in their in their kids athletic careers, you travel teams when they're eight years old, nine years old and all that. And that builds up over time and there's a pressure there. And I think if their kids don't win, it's got to be somebody else's fault, whether it's officials fault, um, the coach's fault that, you know, I mean, I, I, I can't tell you how many coaches that I've known, you know, at the high school level that have been chased out of jobs by parents. And, 
Um, that's where that passion comes from is they get really invested, whether it's financially, socially, whatever. And I mean, I fall victim to that. I mean, I'm a Dodgers fan and I can go and I can tell you stories of, of how I am during postseason games and that sort of thing. And people will look at people that aren't sports fans will look at you kind of funny, but it's like you get caught up in it and you've invested a lot of time. You know, I have MLB TV on my on my laptop, so I watch maybe a hundred some games a year. You get to the end of the year, and it's like you want some sort of, you know, payback for all that. And yeah. it's like so you do. You, sometimes you can anybody can get caught up in it, yeah. and you see some that just really don't know how to handle that very well. It's just it's the the craziest thing because sports is the one place. This was what I was telling him is sports is like the one place where you can take. People of all different walks of life to cover, or not cover, but experience one different sport. Um, and it's just, it's 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 kind of like the one place where you can, um, you can experience the same product almost over and over again, like last night with the Bulls. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and and you'll come back and watch them again tomorrow night. You know? Right. Oh, yeah. That's the craziest thing. Yeah, and, that, and that's why, I mean, I love sports. I love, I mean, I love baseball. I love college basketball and all that. And when you're a fan... You know, you you get caught up in these guys, and you get caught up in the athletes and the and everything else. And yeah, it, it is very easy to fall into that trap. And it's you know, and that's one of the hardest things in this business to do. Is you know, it, people will accuse you of not being objective, you know, and all that. And so you really do try to not have any sort of biases. But I mean, you always winning teams are more fun to cover than losing teams. I mean, that's you know and. I have no emotional interest in Iowa football, but this these kind of seasons grind on you mm-hmm. because the fans grind on you, and and it's like, you know, it's hard. It's yeah. it's it's part of the business, but it's you know. Are there any stories that you have written that have gotten published that you just like don't really like? Because sometimes when I write stories, some stories I really like, and then others I just. I don't know. I'm not as proud of like. I don't oh, know. I've had those. Yeah. I can't go back and look at at some things that I wrote when I in the '80s and '90s when I first started out in the business. It's hard. I mean, it's because you're like, man, what did, what were you thinking? You know. Um, but you know, there's some. Like, you'll know when you've really hit one, and then you'll know when you've really missed one. And um, there's some that you just go back and look at. Like, Man, what were you thinking? Yeah, I would hate to look back, and and I I would hate to look back when I was an intern, and and I was covering it because there were stories back then you thought oh, that was, those are really cool, and then you start yeah. thinking about man, it, man, you used a lot of cliches. You used a, you know, you should have done this. You should have interviewed this, and then, so that's why I don't look too far back on on on, on my you know on the stories I've written because I really don't want to see some of the ones because I'm sure there were some clunkers in there. Yeah, and in terms of, like, your writing itself, what kind of, like, do you have a certain technique? Like, I know some like to put down all their quotes that they're going to use first and then fill in the blanks. Like, I'm just kind of interested in how you write your stories. I usually come up with a lead pretty quickly. And I did this last night. I was covering volleyball. And and as I was driving back, I had the lead in my mind. And so the first thing I did when I got back was I wrote the lead. And then I transcribed all my quotes and then kind of went from there. Um, but it, it, a lot of times in this business, I mean, you don't have a lot of time to think about it. You just write. 
but when you have a when you have a lot of time, there's always that, especially like in, and I encourage you know, and, and you and you guys know this because I always encourage you guys to do projects and that sort of thing, because those are the ones where you do, really do a lot of reporting and you can really, really get into stories and find things out about people that maybe didn't know, and so yeah, when when you write. I mean, like I said, a lot of times I have that lead in my head at some point and, and I just, that's the first thing I write. And then I go from there. And, and sometimes when you do your quotes, you'll find the ending, you know, you'll find that one quote is the perfect ending. So last night I found that. And so the gut, my story started out, I had my lead and I had my ending and now I just filled in the rest of it from there. And what are some tips you have for, you know, young sports journalists? Read everything you can because when i was growing up i mean there was no internet but i would read we would get the des moines at my parents house we would get the des moines register in the morning um and then when i was in school and i could drive i was i would drive we had a, a newsstand in downtown and we would get chicago tribune in town so i would pick up a chicago tribune and that's why i read in study hall so you read those writers you know just read everybody you can whether it's the athletic whether it's the washington post new york times Chicago Tribune, whatever, read those those writers and, and pick things up from them because there's so many great writers out there that you can read. And that that's my best advice is just read and see what they do and then find your voice out of that. And also in, in today's sports journalism world, there's a lot of focus on like, you know, the hot takes. How do you balance like hot takes between like actual objectivity? Um, that's a good question because uh, there's been there's been a lot of tweets that I have never sent, and I'm glad I've never sent them, um, because. But um, you just, I, I guess I look at it different. I'm old school, and I just I don't look for the hot take. I mean, I just offer an opinion, mm-hmm. and there are so many people that they'll offer an opinion, and then three weeks later they'll offer the the complete opposite, yeah. and then they get called out on it, and then they move on. And it's like, I, I think that that ruins their credibility. I think whatever opinion you have, you stick to it. Now, granted, you'll evolve over time and you'll realize, okay, I was wrong. But when you when you have that quick of the shift, then you know that it's not serious. It is just to catch attention. And attention's never been something I've really sought out. I mean, there are some people that do, but I don't. A lot of the blame gets put on the Big Ten officials for the last not last play, but one of the last plays, the Cooper DeGene take back um, for the touchdown. And I want your take on how responsible the Iowa offense is for the current state of affairs for Iowa football, especially in light of that game. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm going to go back to a, a call from many, many years ago in a different sport, <laughs> and it was the 85 World Series, the Don Denkinger call. Game six, yes. Cardinals Royals. Okay. Cardinals fans will blame Cardinals fans will blame their series loss on that. Can you run us through what the call was? Okay, for our so there's, play at, there's a play at first base. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don Denkinger calls the guy safe. Replay show he's out. This okay. is before replay was used, you know. Um Cardinals fans will and then the Royals came back and won the game. Okay. Okay. So I was thinking about that the other day because there were so many things that happened after the Dankinger call before the winning run that the Cardinals could have gotten out of it and that call wouldn't have mattered, and they didn't. I was thinking about that the other day, with even with the Cooper-Gene call. Iowa still had the ball, 
and still had plenty of time yes. to get a field goal. Minutes, almost two minutes. Yeah, to get a field goal or get a touchdown. Yes. And they didn't do it. Yeah. So everybody likes to blame the call, and, and we could debate that for hours. Um, but that offense the other day, all that call did was if, if they wouldn't have made that call, it would have masked the problems that Iowa still has in its offense right now. They had 12 second half yards. That's not going to win you anything. So where they're at right now, a lot of this has to do with the offense, the performance, the, the lack of performance, and the lack of production right now. So you know, said people can point to that call. There are a lot of other things that happened. There were three other plays after that mm-hmm. where they could have gotten in field goal range, mm-hmm. kicked the winning field goal. He, you know, Drew Stevens would have had the wind in his back, and they didn't do it. So you take you take the call as it is. It wasn't like that was the last play of the game. So let's say hypothetically, Iowa is Iowa. They Iowa drops down the rest of the season. Wisconsin's playing in Indianapolis in whatever a month mm-hmm. probably. Is that Big Ten official the new Steve Bartman of Iowa football? No, because I think I think right now there's still so much anger at Brian Ferentz that you know I, I mean, Brian Ferentz the new Steve Bartman. Yeah, there you go, there you go, exactly. Um, I I mean I think he is taking a lot of heat mm-hmm. for this, and I, and now let's be fair, you you lost your starting quarterback, you lost your two best tight ends, mm-hmm. that's going to screw everything up. But you still have to at some point. You're on Plan B now. Mm-hmm. Plan B is going to have to work. You just can't say, well, we lost plan A, so everything's – you've got to figure out how yeah. this works. Mm-hmm. And they have got to figure out this week and next week in pre- preparation for the Northwestern game what to do moving forward because mm-hmm. you can't keep doing this. Mm-hmm. And I think they really thought last week, get to 7-1, and one, beat Minnesota, go into the bye week and figure ourselves out. I think that was their thought. Mm-hmm. Um now you have to do that, but you're six and now two, and now your margin for yeah. error is really gone at this mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. So, what about Cade coming back next year? Any any take on that? I, I think it's good. I mean, I I, I think I figured he would. Mm-hmm. I mean, otherwise, you're really going to have to be accelerating that quarterback yeah. program in the off season, or go find another. You know, um, yeah, go find another one out of the portal. But um, you, you're going to give him time. He's going to have a lot of time to get healthy. You know, an ACL tear—that's a nine-month deal usually. So he got hurt, so he can be conceivably back by you know by the summer, and he'll be back, been playing shape by the time you get into camp if it all works. It'll out. It'll be Groundhog Day. Yes, it It'll is. Be the same it, we thing just, over we and just, over again. Yeah, you we just do start, it all over. You just and start he, over again. And he comes back for a sixth year or whatever he's <laughs> right. And, by and, then. and it's like, and it's like, and and so I I, I would like to think. That he'll be farther along when he starts that process again yeah. than he was the last time he's here, but um, I, d- I do think that that it's a good thing. Otherwise, you were either going to have to really accelerate that program within within your team, or mm-hmm. go find somebody out of the portal. Mm-hmm. So, does Iowa end up in Indianapolis at the end of this season? No, Not really. I I just don't say I I, I the they table. they've still got a path, but you hey, that, you're right. You have to run, run the, the table, table. and sure. and it's. Under. And it's oh you have to win out you have to win out and 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 I don't and 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 in their current situation I don't see that happening I I just think Rutgers gets them or somebody like that gets them because you can't keep doing what you're doing right now and expect a different result so is it going to be Wisconsin 
I, I still like the, the, the chart I saw the other day where there could be a seven-way tie, which I think would be, which would just be so magical in my mind. Um, I, I couldn't tell you who it's going to be, but I, I just right now, I, their margin of error is, Iowa's margin of error is just gone. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know if they solved the problem that would get them there at this point. I think all Big Ten fans would rather just have Michigan and Ohio State play each other. We can yeah. have we can have Michigan represent the West. Yeah, they're, it, yeah, they're further west than Ohio and State, and they'll is, and they'll so. steal everybody's signs. So, yeah, sure. so anyway, <laughs> and I know you talked about Plan B and Plan C. Is Plan C? It's Joe Labus, right? I would think so. I mean, because he cause he actually started a game. Yeah, you know, and and the other two guys don't. You know, that you got two true freshman and that's not going to happen was absolutely necessary um but you have to accelerate and we were talking about this off mic but you have to accelerate joey Lavis's preparation right now because even if you even if you're saying deacon hill is our starting quarterback for the rest of the year he still could get hurt yeah and then that then you're going to plan c and plan c better be ready I saw some tape on Twitter the other day, X, whatever you want to call it, X, yeah. um, of uh, someone complaining about how Joe Labus was doing this in the bowl game, and it was like him catching a play action and then rolling out to the left, sliding for a first down, popping right back up, and going back for the next play. So I'm curious. I'm curious your takes. What 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 could would if we put Joe Labus in the Iowa offense right now? What would you see? I I think he I think he would be a little bit more mobile than. Deacon Hill is, mm-hmm. and I and I think that's something you need, and I think that's I mean, and Kane McNamara was going to get that way before he got you know injured again, mm-hmm. um, but I do think you have to have the days of the drop back quarterback and just standing there; those are gone in college football. Mm-hmm. So you got to be able to get out and move around. I thought he did well. Joey Davis did a great job in his start in the Music City Bowl. I mean, he did what you were supposed to do. And, and part of it was you didn't turn the ball over. And if there's a Deacon Hill problem right now, he fumbled twice the other day in Iowa territory. Mm-hmm. And it led to one field goal and could have led to another. That you can't have. And so, again, so go back to that, have him ready. Because if he, you say, okay, Deacon Hill's my quarterback, and, and you know, at Wrigley Field in a couple of weeks he's fumbling, that's a problem. Yeah, you know, so. Yeah, so you, you talked about – Iowa offense can't keep doing this. What do you think is the biggest issue? Is it coaching, quarterback, O-line, a combo of those things? Like, what does, what should they do to fix the offense? Um, I, I, I think you have to look at what you've got and then figure out, and, and that's what this week and next week, how do you, you've got the tools, this is your toolbox, what, how can you use these tools? And whether that means you, you use a wide receiver and, and run a wildcat sort of thing, or if you do it with Caleb Johnson or whoever. And, and I know you, we're going to hear Cooper Jean's name come up. <laughs> and, and I'm kind of queasy about all that. And, and, and we, if you want to talk about it, we'll get into that. But um, I, I think that um, you have to look at what you've got and you have to use it. And if that means you get experimental and you do some – that's the one thing is I don't ever see anything out of the box. Because every college team always has that out-of-the-box thing that they do. And I haven't seen that this year, last year, and even the year before that. Because um, I thought the year before that, when Tyrone Tracy wasn't getting the ball, it's like, okay, why don't you use him in the wildcat? And then, oh, by the way, have him throw the ball. Because I think that would be 
classic to have a, a running yeah. back. Yeah. Do some things to, because you're so predictable at this point, and you can't keep being predictable, especially when you get this time of the year, because now you've got a whole set of film now on this season on all these guys, and you just can't have that. So it sounds like you're not a fan of Cooper DeGene on offense. I it makes me queasy. I mean, I and, and it's not because I don't think he could do it because I think he could, but I just think he he can get you points yeah. as a punt returner. He can get you points on 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 defense, and I don't think you want to get him hurt. Yeah, and you saw that last year in the Nebraska game where I, I don't want to say he got targeted, but it looked like he got targeted and got knocked out of the game, and then that ruined your secondary and it ruined your special teams. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think you. If you really want to use him, that's great, but be prepared then if something bad happens because I, I, I just don't think you want to put him in situations where he could get hurt. But if he did it, I think he'd be very good at it. To wrap up, I came up with this on the spot. Okay. I want to do a little segment with uh, I'm going to give you a handful of Iowa players okay. one by one, and you're going to say, is their stock rising or falling at okay. this point in the season? All right. Deacon Hill. Falling. Falling is because of the turnovers the other day. Sebastian Castro. Rising, because I think he's he's been one of the best defensive players in the Big Ten this year. Cade McNamara. Uh, we're at just at a level we don't know right now. He's Fair just enough. steady. The arrow's a good point in both ways. Cooper DeJean. Rising. Jay Higgins. Definitely rising. <laughs> I think he has been – that linebacking group has been the biggest thing on that defense because we didn't know – we knew they were good, but we didn't know how they were going to work together. I think they've been so good all year. LaShawn Williams. I think slightly rising, but I think he could he could rise even more if you give him more opportunities. Xavier Wonkpa. Um, that's, I think that's, that's a steady cause I don't think he's, he hasn't made, he, he, he can be an impact player. He needs to be an impact player. So Cooper DeGene, two years ago, I said, Cooper DeGene is the next Riley Moss. Is Xavier Wonkpa the next Cooper DeGene? Ooh, I know how talented he is and he could be, mm-hmm. you know, but I think you got to give him some opportunities. Okay. And it's, give it two years then. Yeah. All right. Yeah. There you go. Well, I- one, I'll give, I'll give him one. I'll give him one year. Yeah, one. okay. Because he's had, I think he's kind of struggled with some some injuries. I think this year, I don't yeah. think he's been at his best. I don't pick. think he's been a hundred percent. Didn't he have a pick in the first game? Was that Utah State where he had the interception? I think so. I yeah, thought it was. It's on right? the highlight video every time before the game. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. My last one, Rusty Feth. At rising, I think he's figured it out, and I think he's become a nice little fit in that on their offensive line. And the beard is still the best thing in the world. <laughs> Do you have a sleeper who's rising? I, I wish it could be Seth Anderson. I mean, because I, I, yeah. I, I, I yeah. think he's had he's been targeted quite a bit, and and he's had some drops. And I think if he could just catch some of, I think I think he hit that stock would rise. Plus, he's his dad was a former L.A. Ram, mm-hmm. so I'll give yeah. him yeah. So is he one of those where you give him a year? Yeah, like X. Give him yep. a year and he'll be. Give good. him a year and I think he'll be good. Okay. And and you give it and you give him good if you give him the ball in the right spot. I think he can be really good. So did you see Seth Anderson's dad set the receiving yards record in a single game? I, well, I was game? not there, but I yeah. remember the game. I remember the game because I was I was a big LA Rams yeah. fan, so I remember that game against <laughs> New Orleans Saints on Sunday night. So yeah. was it three hundred yards? I think? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So no overtime either. No, and I mean that was just he was just a machine that night, you know. And I mean that was you know that was those that was a really good Rams team that that he was on. That was the one that 
I mean, if the 49ers wouldn't have been the 49ers, they would have probably gone to the Super Bowl. So, Unlike Mad Dog Russo, John won't be retiring anytime soon? No, and I'm not going to wear any sort of outfit in, in exchange for that. So, No, I'm not going anywhere for a while. So. All right. Sounds good, then. We're happy to have you. Thank happy you for having here me with on. us. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, so Iowa football is in its bye week right now. Um, coming off a 12-10 loss to Minnesota. Um, obviously some soul-searching to do during this bye week, um, mainly with, with the offense. Defense is completely fine. But, yeah, I mean, there's not, not much to talk about with Iowa football. Next week, Iowa will play Northwestern at Wrigley Field, so kind of a special special little game. Um, apparently it was because, like, Northwestern was going to be doing renovations to their field. That's why they did it at Wrigley. But now that, like, the whole Pat Fitzgerald thing, whatever, apparently they're still – the field is still playable, so they could play at Northwestern's regular field, but they kept Please it at Wrigley. Yeah, no. Nice. That is like, it's literally like a high school stadium. Yeah. But, yeah, so not much to talk about with football. We'll have the Northwestern preview next episode. But in terms of other Iowa sports, the Iowa women's soccer team just finished up the regular season, squeezed into the Big Ten tournament. Eight teams make the tournament. They, um, Got the eight seed, and their last loss of the season was three to zero to Michigan State, who's ranked twelve in the country. And they faced they they will face them in the quarterfinals of the Big Ten tournament. Um, Michigan State is the one seed, so that will be interesting. Um, I I really don't know a whole lot about the soccer team, about the soccer team, but Upset I know. Alert. Uh, yeah, I know I know that they started off the season really hot in non-conference play, and then Big Ten play was a little rocky. Um, like every Iowa sports team. Yeah, basically. So, yeah, I guess, I mean, we'll see on Sunday if they win. They obviously head to the semifinals. From, from here on out, it's win or go home. So, And there's no chance for them to make the NCAA tournament unless they win the Big Ten championship. I think I that's how soccer so. I think that's how soccer works. I think not every like it's only like however many teams like 64 or something like that that make mm-hmm. it. So they pro- they won't get in unless they win the title. Iowa field hockey also starts they have their Big 10 tournament and that's next weekend. So we can talk more about that next weekend, but they have their final couple games coming up and yeah, I mean they're they're in the top 25, so they can definitely make a run for the Big Ten title and, I mean, NCAA championship as well. So, yeah. And let's not neglect the cross-country also, Big Tens. Oh, yeah, cross-country Big Tens are also coming up. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, it's post, post-season time for a lot of the summer, fall sports right now. Best of luck to all those teams. And the Chicago Bulls are in postseason <laughs> form right now. Matt, give us Having your take. A players only meeting after a twenty point loss to the Thunder. Pretty sad. Mm, hey, it's early. It's we are early. one game back. <laughs> one game back from the lead in the Eastern Conference. That is We're on the two correct. seed right now. That is correct. Let's do it. All right. All right. Well, I think that's all we have for today. So thanks for listening.
See you next week. Thank you for listening to Pressbox Banter. This episode was hosted by Kenna Roaring, Colin Boxmeyer, and Matt McGowan, and it was produced by me, Natalie Dunlap. 